So, hopefully you had a nice, nice lunch to enjoy the grounds a little bit. <clears throat> so, I want to come back to your question, Chelsea, and uh, talk a little bit more about the relationship between these practices, these qualities, and resilience and the the sense of home. So first maybe to say that um, we could understand resilience as a measure of um, the, the the health of our being, not just the physical being, but also uh, mental and emotional and spiritual, all of the different dimensions um, of experience that we have as human beings. And uh, I like this word elasticity, that sense of being able to 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 bounce back, to absorb an impact and and rebound. Um, there's um, there's a measure, a physiological measure that um, my understanding is that this is uh, connected to our sense of resilience, um, which is called heart rate variability. And um, for those of you who are physicians, if I say anything that's not entirely accurate, please please uh, chime in and and refine my understanding. Um, but. Uh, my understanding is so that uh, heart rate variability is the, the, it's a measure of, you know, we think of our heartbeat as something that's steady, right? Well, it's just beating. And then, but it's actually a measure of the, um, the, the change in the, in the rhythm of your heartbeat. And um, it points to the, um, the capacity of the heart as a responsive muscle to, um, to respond to change in the environment in a dynamic way. So that when there's any kind of a, um, um, uh, a change in the environment or the internal system, that the heart can modulate its rate accordingly in order to better regulate the systems within the body. So, um, I think you could think of it as like uh, in a vehicle, like the ability to accelerate or decelerate very quickly and nimbly. Yeah? So there's that sense of, of um, it's this, uh, this potential to respond, and the the health of the of the of both the muscle but the whole system to uh, to adapt and respond to change, and um, our capacity as human beings. So that heart rate variability is like one physiological measure, but but obviously there's so much more to us than just the just the body. And so our ability to respond to the inevitable changes of our life 
can be enhanced and grown in many, many, many ways. Um, Everything from having strong community and friendships. There have been a lot of research done that just shows that, you know, the impact on health and well-being of having a social network or something like having a pet. You know, people with pets tend to live longer, right? Well, what's that about? You know, so there's, but there's that sense that we are relational creatures and when we have relationships, that supports our sense of health and well-being. Uh, so community, friendship, relationship is just one dimension of resilience. Um, uh, expression, artistic expression, this is another way to develop resilience. So I'm not going to go into, if you're interested more in this, I'm doing a day long in June specifically on um, uh, other ways of building resilience. For this, this weekend, our theme is really focusing on this one set of practices. We can understand, though, I talked about these three categories of um, uh, practice in Buddhism, uh, stabilizing practices, investigation insight practices, and practices of empathy and connection. Each of these, in its own way, builds resilience. So the practices of stabilizing, of calming and settling the mind, of which the Brahma-viharas are one. So these practices of empathy and connection span both of those categories because they, they tend to gather our attention. So the sense of stability and wholeness in the mind lends a kind of resilience. We're able to um, focus the mind more at will and also to, uh, to set aside the disturbances, the uh, mental and emotional uh, forces that tend to throw us off balance. When the mind is concentrated, still, and stable, uh, it doesn't have that interference from things like fear and worry and anxiety and restlessness and um, uh, compulsive craving, okay? So having a stable, steady mind is a, so yields a certain kind of resilience. Mindfulness practice and the whole suite of insight practices uh, bring a certain kind of resilience. Mindfulness is uh, this awareness, this capacity that we have for awareness that's unbiased, that sees clearly. And mindfulness helps us to tell the difference between what's actually happening and the stories that we tell ourselves about our life or ourself or the world. And so the function of mindfulness and investigation practices is to understand our lives and understand ourselves more differently. We, what we start to understand with the investigation practices is how we create stress and complication and difficulty for ourselves and others. The less we do that, the more well-being and health and uh, peace and harmony that we feel. The less strung out we are by the stories we tell and the ways we get tripped up inside, then the more energy uh, and balance and space we have to respond to things. 
So the whole suite of vipassana and investigation practices bring a kind of resilience. And the practice, these practices of connection, these practices of cultivating empathy, uh, these qualities uh, are understood as a protection for the heart. So, the experience of being alive is in its fundamental nature an experience of being in relationship. So the realm of being human means that we are in relationship. We're in relationship with other humans. We are in relationship with the environment. We're in relationship with our own thoughts and emotions. Even when we're alone, there's still the sense of being with something. I'm with my thoughts, I'm with my moods, I'm with my relationships, my memories, the ideas about the future. And so the question is, in all of these different kinds of relationship that we have with other people, with community, with society, with the planet, with ourself, what characterizes those relationships? What's the, what's the quality of those relationships? Are they characterized by fear, anxiety, control, manipulation, anger, resentment, jealousy, confusion? Or are they characterized by something else? what these four qualities and several associated qualities that we'll explore, like gratitude and forgiveness, what these qualities of the heart offer another way of being in relationship to our life, internally and externally. A way of being that's characterized instead of by confusion and fear and jealousy and Uh, envy or cruelty or reactivity, to have those relationships characterized by kindness, by compassion, by joy, by balance, by gratitude, by forgiveness. And when those relationships are imbued with these qualities, well, what's that like? How is that, you know? Each of us has lived enough years to know the diff- how it feels different to relate to oneself or another or inner experience with a sense of kindness and generosity versus with a sense of anger and stinginess. So the understanding is that these qualities themselves give a kind of resilience because they allow us to move through the realms of relationship that we occupy in our life with more ease and fluidity. The Buddha talked about uh, metta. uh, He said, this is the only protection that you'll ever need. This is the only protection that you'll ever need. So the understanding, and this is very deep to contemplate, that these qualities protect the heart. They protect the heart from ill will, internally or externally. So when, it, when there's 
when there's malintent coming towards us, if we abide in a state of kindness and compassion, it doesn't harm us, it doesn't affect us, because the heart's bright and strong. It also protects us from that energy inside ourself, from not falling into hatred and pettiness, hostility and ill will in our own being, which is a state of suffering, it's a state of distress. Feeling hostility and hatred is not a pleasant experience. So another way to think about resilience is as a kind of resourcefulness. Having resources, inner resources, to meet life. And so um, these four qualities of the Brahma-viharas kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity, and the associated qualities of the heart that get developed on the path of generosity and uh, gratitude, patience, forgiveness. All of these qualities are like having a deep well of resourcefulness inside so that our sense of well-being And happiness, instead of it just being dependent on external circumstances, on things going our way, we have someplace else to draw from. Right? Because it's it's very easy to feel happy and resilient when the sun's shining and the weather's nice and, you know, we have food in our belly and a nice, maybe a nice job or a nice place to live. But, you know, what happens when it's cold and wet or when you don't get the gig or when the relationship goes south, you know, that's when, that's when we see how much resilience we have. Going back to the analogy of the heart, the physiological heart, what's its capacity to respond to the environment immediately, effortlessly? What's the measure of its health and what's the measure of health of our emotional heart? when things don't go our way, have we cultivated these qualities of compassion, of kindness, of balance to meet the changes of life? So by cultivating these qualities, we're we're, uh, kind of like stocking up our inner resources or exercising the health of our spirit and our emotional heart. So, you know, sometimes we think about uh, uh, kindness, like, uh, well, when I'm happier, I'll be kind, right? When things are going well, then I'll have the space to be kind, but it's actually the other way around. When we're kind, we're happier. When we're compassionate, we're happier. When we can take joy and celebrate the, the well-being of others, it makes us happier. So one of the, um, the question came up about resistance and blockages to developing these qualities. One of the main things that can get in the way of building this inner resourcefulness is uh, self-hatred or lack of self-worth, or feeling like, I don't, de- you know, I don't deserve these qualities. It's fine to offer them to others. 
I can send goodwill to others or compassion, or, but I uh, can't really direct it towards myself. That would be selfish, right? And this is, uh, this is very important area to explore and, and to really start to understand and bring healing to through these practices. We're developing a relationship of empathy, which includes all of these qualities, as I was saying this morning. We're developing a relationship of empathy and friendship with everything. That's why it's, that's why it's a resource, that's why it's a foundation, is because it's not, we're not picking and choosing. That uh, these qualities become an orientation to life. That we start to meet experience from a place of open-heartedness. And that that itself becomes a protection. And that unconditional orientation of kindness and friendship and empathy includes ourself. We're included within that. And so I think for many of us, there's that fear of being, being selfish or, you know, valuing others sometimes more than oneself. And uh, if that's the case for you, you might consider, you know, if we only give, where is it coming from? You can't pour from an empty cup. So there needs to be some sense of an ability to take in, to nourish, to rejuvenate. Life is a, life is a cycle. It's not a one-way uh, experience. The, just look at the breath. We take in nourishment and we release, we give. That's, that's the cycle of life, is giving and receiving. And so these practices begin to dissolve some of the boundaries and allow us to participate in that flow more and more. So another one of the, um, the strengths of these practices um, is that uh, they're, they're rooted in the reality of interconnectedness, that we're not actually separate. We're not actually separate. So one, one of the translations for, uh, for loving kindness that, uh, that Sharon Salzberg uh, offers, which I really like, is she talks about metta, loving kindness, as connection. Connection. And if you look at the word for kindness, in English, kindness has within it the word for kin. I don't know etymologically if they're actually related. I think they are. Um, but there's that, there's that sense of we have a connection of, of relationship. <coughs> and so the, all of these practices and the sense of empathy that they rest on uh, are rooted in the truth that our lives have something to do with one another that we're not as separate as we seem. This is, um, 
This is a quote from Mother Teresa that I, I find very moving that speaks to the, the deep need for uh, cultivating these qualities in a way that starts to dissolve the boundaries that we create between ourselves and, one, and, and each other. There is much suffering in the world, very much material suffering, suffering from hunger, suffering from homelessness, from all kinds of disease. But I still think that the greatest suffering is being lonely, feeling unloved, just having no one. I have come more and more to realize that it is being unwanted that is the worst disease that any human being can experience. And so here we are, sitting in a circle. There is something deeply embedded in ourselves that longs to feel connected. Not in a superficial way. That longs that for generations and millennia, it's in our DNA, this sense of knowing where we belong having stories about where we come from and who our people are and knowing the people who live around us and what those relationships are and having bonds of kinship. This is how humans have lived for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's really only very recently in human history that we have become disconnected for the most part as a species from our sense of place and belonging in the world and with one another. And the effects of that are everywhere in terms of anxiety and alienation and depression and stress. I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't look anywhere without seeing it. And yet it's, and yet it's, it's like the, it's the air we breathe and we don't even notice it. So these qualities begin to address that wound of separation, the illusion of separation and start to help us to realize the, the, uh, the deep sense of, of fellow feeling for one another. So just reflect right now for a moment on all of the people in your life who are a part of your being here in this room today. The teachers and friends, relatives, maybe even people you've never met a book you picked up or a talk that you heard.
the many people and the many moments. that led to each of our being here today. Is there anyone here who can't think of at least three people who are a part of your being here? and probably many more. So even when we, even when we think that we're alone, we're, we're never actually alone. We're deeply connected to one another, to our families, to our ancestors. And these practices start to reveal that slowly through, through aligning the heart, calling up these intentions, and just patiently, persistently, gently reminding ourselves, oh yeah, may you be well. May you be happy. May I be well. May I be happy. It's like we're... Um, we're helping our heart remember its capacity to love and feel connected. And sometimes it's like a desert. You know, sometimes it's like it feels totally dry and barren. But, but you know, how much more precious is that one drop of moisture in a desert? That one drop of kindness. And so in, in, in another way, the boundless quality, the limitless quality of these um, uh, states and these uh, intentions, is, uh, it's, not, it's not only that sense of expansiveness, but it's boundless and limitless in its impact. That one moment of kindness, one moment of care or compassion can have far-reaching effects and ripples in our own mind and heart and, and in the world. And so the, uh, the, the wonderful opportunity, the wonderful gift. Hi, Marion, welcome. Feel free to come up here. I think this seat is free. Yeah, I want you to be able to sit in the circle. You're welcome, yeah. Um, the, the understanding and the invitation is that we can, we can strengthen these qualities so that they're a foundation we can actually enhance the, the baseline of well-being and resilience in our own heart and mind. So I want to read, um, I want to read one more quote and then we'll, and then we'll do, do some more formal practice together. So this is, this is again going back to that sense of, of developing a relationship with oneself, and, and with, with our mind, with the world, 
with one another, a relationship of friendship, a relationship that's characterized by these qualities of empathy. This is from uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who wrote The Little Prince. It's from another book of his called Wind, Sand, and Stars. Old friends cannot be created out of hand. Nothing can match the treasure of common memories, of trials endured together, of quarrels and reconciliations and generous emotions. It is idle, having planted an acorn in the morning, to expect that afternoon to sit in the shade of an oak. So I like to think of this practice as developing a relationship with ourself and with, with this experience of being alive that has this quality of, of being an old friend. And that, that doesn't happen instantaneously. It takes time. So that's why this, uh, this gentle, steady, patient exploration of these qualities. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.